final hour on the Fan Morning Show, Sports on 590 The Fan, the Monday morning after the Blue Jays just put up runs after runs after runs this I'm kind weekend. Kind of making a habit of that. Mm. Everybody whispered that the Blue Jays' offense is really good this year, okay? Take it with a grain of salt, but it's fun to watch at least. But biggest news coming out of this weekend that's a real tangible thing. It's Jose Bautista's level of excellence pending this summer, August 12th. Get the opportunity to celebrate one of the best Blue Jays of all time. Let's talk to our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online. And in the showroom, visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Jeff Blair, host of Blair and Barker, back in the saddle. How's it going this morning, Jeff? Going well. How are you guys doing? We're great. The NHL trade deadline's over. Now we can care about Blue Jay spring training baseball. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Let's start with Jose Bautista because that's exciting news. Uh, Well-deserved for him to get an opportunity to be honored uh, forever on the new Blue Jays. Roger Center level of excellence. uh, First, uh, one of 11 players now up on there. How do you begin to talk about the, the level of legacy or what Jose Bautista means to this Blue Jays franchise? You know, it's funny. Uh, Jose Batista is going up on the level of excellence in a year in which the Blue Jays have started a, what, a $500 million renovation of the Rogers Center. And, you know, Jose Batista wasn't, it, the Rogers Center isn't the house that Jose Batista built, but it could very well be the house that he helped renovate because, <laughs> you know, in, 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 in 2015, 2016, and actually even before that, when the Blue Jays, started to find their footing, you know, coming out of coming out of some lost years. It really was Jose Batista and Josh Donaldson and Edwin Encarnacion who who kind of kind of, you know, set the way, laid the footprint for it. So I think it's kinda of cool that Jose Bautista will go up on a level of excellence this year. A season in which the Rogers Center is going to have undergone the most significant facelift it's had it. To me, it's a nice, it ties in nicely. And, I mean, as a player, you know, you can have an argument about where he ranks amongst all-time Blue Jays. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good baseball played in the 90s and, and even in even in the 2000s before he got there. But there's very, very little doubt that the, the seeds of the resurgence that we have seen in Blue Jays fan interest I would say is lar- were largely planted by Jose Batista. Uh, in your mind, what's his greatest achievement as a Blue Jay? It could be like something you could count. 54 would be a number that you could celebrate, but it could be like something more conceptual. Uh, in your mind, greatest achievement uh, from Jose Bautista in his time with the Toronto Blue Jays? It's got to be the home run in Bathlip. You know, with one... Look, there were a lot of big home runs that year. Russell Martin hit a couple of big home runs. I mean, Russell, Russell Martin single-handedly sank the Yankees that year. And you can make a case that in a lot of ways, the most important home runs that season were hit by Russell Martin. But, I mean, the bat flip was like, it just erased a whole bunch of ghosts. It gave another generation of Blue Jays fans that viral moment. You know, finally they had something to show besides Joe Carter hitting a home run back when a lot of them weren't born. And I don't think you can underplay the significance of that. I mean, we're still talking about it. You see it on TV. 
you still stop what you're doing to watch it, even though you know where the ball goes. You know, you can count the number of steps he's taken. You know the bat flip. You know the little mouth guard that he's wearing, how it comes out. I mean, you know all of that. But it's still a moment that's just, just burnt into your brain if you're a Toronto sports fan. And that is really, really, really significant when you're trying to when you're trying to sort of chart the history of a franchise and turn pages and all that stuff, it, uh, it it's always going to be one of the signature events in Blue Jays history. Doesn't matter doesn't matter what happens in the rest of our lifetimes, uh, people are going to be talking about the bat flip and about and about the home run. How many years did you cover him from a beat perspective? I mean, pretty much in its entirety. Uh, I was there when the Jays made the trade or when the Jays acquired him, and it was, you know, okay, they got a guy who's kind of, you know, in his 20s, kind of versatile, not even versatile. I mean, a guy that uh, I don't think anybody really knew what they were getting. I think they thought they got they, they were getting a guy with a little bit of raw power. Um, and, you know, he just, I mean, he blossomed. He blossomed with, with the Blue Jays. He fell into some underneath some good hitting coaches and I think it was I think the ballpark if you talk to Jose the ballpark probably helped him an awful lot but he also I remember having a discussion with him and I don't I think it was before 2015 must have been 2014 and he started talking about what he was doing to stay in shape and how he said look I don't want to I don't want to really you know, take the romance away from this. That's my word, not his. But he said, I kind of view myself as a corporation, and I've got to make investments in that corporation to grow. So he spent a lot of his own money uh, training, trying to get himself into shape. And that's what I've always kind of thought about when I think of Jose in addition to the home run. I just think of a guy who, a guy who made himself – a better player and part of his game that I think people often overlook was his defense as well. He was a terrific defensive player. You know, I mean, Brian Butterfield, the Jays third base coach at the time said, I mean, his arm is an offensive weapon. And he was right. It was an offensive weapon. It was a, his arm was a game changer. So he was just a really good all around player who made himself better. And I don't know if I've been around too many players who've gone from being guys that nobody knew what to make of them to not just having one year, but to automatically putting yourself in a conversation as one of the top ten players of all time with an organization. That just doesn't happen all the time. Yeah, that's kind of what I wanted to ask you. Like the final product of Jose, he was very confident, self-assured, like he understand exactly who he was. But I wonder what your first impression was of Jose and what like the original Jose that showed up on the scene, how much different those two people were. He's very quiet. Uh, I don't know if I'd say, I mean, he was always kind of self-assured. But it was when he got really good, he became a little arrogant and a little cocky, and and, and in a good way. He was exactly what he was exactly what the Blue Jays needed. They needed somebody who was who could be a bit of an ass, to be honest, at times. And again, I mean that in an in an endearing way with with Jose Batista. He was he pissed off a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people didn't like him. Opposing players, I'm talking about opposing managers, opposing fans. Some of his teammates didn't necessarily like him. 
some of the people in the media. It's not they didn't like him, but he was a challenging interview. You know, he, he would uh, – he reminded me a little bit of Moises Alou when I covered him with the Expos. Don't ask him a dumbass question because <laughs> he'll just stare at you and, and basically say, that's all you got today? Like you got to – you're going to come and talk to me. You've got to raise your game a little more than that. So I, uh, I enjoy that. And I, I wish we saw more of that from players, a little more, um, just a little more arrogance. And, and you know, and, and as long as it doesn't become destructive to the team. So I saw that the Blue Jays had um, Edwin there this this weekend, I believe, have, as a guest instructor in Dunedin and kind of like bringing his perspective of this same time period to the current Blue Jays. Do you think that there's going to be a, a connection with bringing some of these guys back from that fun, successful-ish era of the Blue Jays, maybe Jose as well, to come back and, and to help mentor this uh, Blue Jays team, which has obviously taken some strides to add experienced voices um, to, their, to their management and to their coaching this time? around yeah I don't I mean I don't I don't know I mm-hmm. there's there's enough leaders in that team at Chapman Bobichette but Vladdy I mean look, I'm sure they like having them around but uh, I never get really carried away with the whole you know let's bring all our old guys back and have them hang around batting practice <laughs> and impart wisdom into into players I, I mean, I've been around enough spring training to know that Quite frankly, everybody's on their own program. Everybody's wired in with what they do. I'm sure they enjoy the stories. I'm sure Don Mattingly is having a major impact on everybody. But it's nice. I'll say this. Considering that there was... Considering that when Jose and Edwin left the Blue Jays, there was kind of this sense that there were some threads that hadn't been tied. It, it, It... you know, I, it wasn't it wasn't the smoothest party. A lot of that, I think, just came from the fact that people grow apart, teams and players grow apart, and Jose and Edwin were really kind of tied into the Alex Anthopoulos Blue Jays, and there was always this sense that the relationship wasn't as cordial as it should have been. So and I'm a big believer. I used to argue this with the Raptors all the time about the Raptors and Vince Carter. You have to make peace with your history. If you want to move on, you've got to make peace with your history. Right? There's not if you're a fan of a team, not everything's happy. Sometimes you get screwed. Sometimes players disappoint you, they break your hearts, all that stuff, but you gotta make peace with it. The real good franchises make peace with that. They tie things together and everybody moves on. And and I think that that's a little bit of what we're seeing happen with with Jose and Edwin. All right. Well, that's that's good for Blue Jays nostalgia as well for fans and to see them enjoying uh, some of the young talent on the Blue Jays, including Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who obviously is another piece of headline from this weekend, uh, withdrawing from the World Baseball Classic due to some injury concerns, nothing uh, to be alarmed about. Um, the MRI says there's no structural damage, but feeling a little better, but decided to withdraw. How much of that do you think was Vladdy's decision to say, hey, this, this season's really important for me, or a little bit of a push from the Blue Jays themselves saying, hey, this season's really important to us as well? I think it was probably 90% Vladdy. Um, you know, look, uh, I'm conflicted about the World Baseball Classic, right? I, I like it. 
I like it as a general principle, but if I was the general manager of a team, I wouldn't want any of my players anywhere near it. Like, I think this is the this would be the best piece of news to come out of Blue Jays spring training all year. You know, all spring, as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's you know, you can get hurt doing anything, right? You can get hurt getting out of bed. You can twist an ankle, but there's something about the World Baseball Classic where players who, let's face it, are used to kind of gradually working themselves up to being competitive are suddenly put in a position where they're playing in front of 45,000 fans, they're playing for their country, they're playing with guys they grew up with. I mean, the, the, the level of competition ratchets up dramatically, and it goes from being, let's get ready for a season in which my team is paying me $25 million to win a World Series, so let's kick the hell out of Japan, right? It's not it, – it's – sometimes I think – it's like the NHL All-Star game. Sometimes Oof. it's a great idea. It's a great idea. It's a great concept, but you just don't need to do it, right? I mean, if, 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 if the NHL announced – that it's not holding its all-star game anymore. No one, no one would care. You know, no one would, no one would care. And I think it's unfortunately the same thing with the World Baseball Classic. Major League Baseball said, you know, hey, it was a good try. We gave it a good go. Uh, but you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to work. I don't think anybody would really be crying about it. Uh, I, I really don't. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of happy that that Vladdy's not going to be out there. I. You know, again, I'm conflicted. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a show. I, I get all that, but if Vladdy's not being paid to hit home runs for the Dominican Republic, you know, Vladdy's being paid to play 158 games for the Blue Jays and hit 50 bombs. It seems entirely too vulnerable to succeed as a preseason tournament just because if there's any excuse, whether it's mild knee discomfort, it's probably time to make the decision not to go. And that's kind of too yes. bad because I love I love the, the, the concept. Yeah, well, I want to see these nations go at it. It sounds like a lot of fun. But right before the Major League season, 162 games, yeah, it, does, it just feels like the timing makes it a little bit cursed. But if we're going to twist everything to make it work for us, Let's ask you this question. Jose Barrios is expected to go. Can it help Jose Barrios start off on a good foot? I know we just saw him yesterday, and it was a little shaky to start, to say the least. But if he plays in meaningful games or meaningful-ish games, can it have a positive impact on Jose Barrios' this season? Now, I'm going to defer to Buck Martinez, who's managed in this event and has seen way more baseball than I have. And I do agree with Buck. I think there are players who can benefit from going to the World Baseball Classic and being put in a position where they need to ratchet things up a bit. Last spring, Jose Barrios was very clear, and he he said this to people, that for whatever reason, he just didn't feel 100%. It wasn't an injury, just something, something wasn't right. Something was off. And I think he might be a guy who will benefit from being in a competitive situation and from having to raise his game a little earlier than usual. There are, I do believe there are players like that. I do believe there are players who, who, um, who, who can profit from something like that and who can be, who can be, 
who can build on that. And I think Jose Barrios is very much, very much that guy. Um, you know, yesterday, uh, you know, wasn't I didn't think it was as good as his first outing. I need first outing at good velocity and a sinker, good movement. Um, you know, yesterday was just kind of a it was just kind of a day for him, and it will be interesting to see how he goes out and performs in his first start for the World Baseball Classic. I think they wanted him to throw 50 pitches yesterday. There is a pitch limit in the World Baseball Classic. I don't know if he will be on a different limit than the prescribed pitch limit in the World Baseball Classic, but uh, he, he, he's an example of a player that I think could probably would probably enjoy the WBC and probably use the WBC to his benefit. We've got Jeff Blair, coach of Blair and Barker, on the line. So, so far, Blue Jays have played quite a few games uh, this past weekend, 41 runs in three games. I know sometimes you can get excited about seeing the scoreboard like that, especially single innings where they hit, I don't know, like 12 runs in a row. Uh, what has been encouraging, tangibly encouraging, from this uh, this stretch so far? I mean, it's, it's awfully early. I guess the the thing that has impressed me is some of the velocity and some of the younger arms. Uh, I'm going to withhold my judgment on Nate Pearson, but at least I've seen 100 and 101 from him, so it's there. Thank God. Uh, you say Kikuchi, eh, you know, let's see. Again, velocity hasn't been what it needs to be. I do like the fact that Pete Walker alluded to this yesterday. I like the fact that a splitter is good. Um, other than that, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't really start looking at spring training until halfway through it. Cause you know, guys haven't really, guys haven't really hit the ground, hit the ground running. I like the fact that Matt Chapman has changed his, his approach at the plate a bit. He's got a little bit of a toe tap. He's got more of a trigger, you know, George Springer looks good, but I mean, I'm, yeah, other than that, you know, when I watch games and I've got Vinny Capra driving in seven runs or whatever it was, I, I just, you know, if Vinny Capra's ever, if Vinny Capra finishes the year with seven RBIs for the Blue Jays in the whole season, let alone one game, it's been a lousy year. So I just kind of, uh, I just kind of, I just kind of shrug it off, I guess. The other thing I will say, and I will throw this out there, some of the younger players, Addison Barger, Rayner, uh, the outfielder whose name I'm going to forget, um, They've been really impressive. Mm-hmm. Aurelis Martinez has showed some power. So, yeah, you know, it's uh, – it, I'll put it this way. Nobody has really disappointed me. I haven't looked at anybody and said, ah, God, there's got to be more in the tank or, you know, there's something wrong with that guy. I haven't seen that from anybody yet, and that's usually a good thing early in spring training. That's a pretty good start. We'll, we'll take that. Um, you mentioned George Springer. He's made – four appearances so far he only played outfield once um that's that's just to allow for his elbow i'm assuming to have a little bit more time and rest yep. but maybe a look into a bit more of what the regular season deployment would be like a little bit less outfield a little bit more dh days or strictly just like let him ta- taper up his um his spring training the way that he also feels fit yeah no he's going to be in right field he better be in right field almost every day because uh, if he is in a right field if he's DH and Brandon Belt's not going to be in the lineup, uh, yeah, no, George Springer has to be a right fielder, period. Uh, you know, give him a DH day if you want against certain left-handed, uh, left-handed pitchers, I guess. But nah, he's got to be in right field. Again, if he, if, if George Springer's DHing a lot, things have gone pear-shaped for the Blue Jays. 
Um, that's I, I guess if there is a downside so far to spring training, it's that we haven't seen Alejandro Kirk or Brandon Belt yet. Uh, but you know that's um, everything you hear about Brandon Belt is that it's he, you know it's it's going according to plan. And and um, I mean I have to take the Blue Jays' word at that. I mean Brandon Belt is old enough that I'm sure if there was a real issue with uh, with, with his rehab, he would have made it apparent to the Blue Jays. So uh, those that would be the only two wrinkles, I guess, mm-hmm. that would concern me. But um, beyond that, no, I just I want George Springer to get his at bats. Like he can catch the ball in right field and throw from right field. I that doesn't concern me at all. Just get your at bats in, keep your legs healthy, and uh, be in right field come opening day. And, and uh, that's if I don't see him in right field until opening day, I'm good with that. Do you wonder yet, and this is obviously early for this as well, how they'll work belt into the, the spot for DH when didn't, don't they usually kind of use that spot for keeping batters that are hot in the lineup from rest days, maybe Springer, Vladdy, Kirk as well. Like, Do you wonder about how they're going to integrate so many people for DH or is that a punt that question we'll ask you in April? No, and listen, that, that's a legit question. Uh you know, how do you get Brandon Belt, Alejandro Kirk, and Danny Jansen, or actually Brandon Belt and Alejandro Kirk in the lineup at the same time? You know, Danny Jansen clearly is going to be your number one catcher. Uh, so you've got to think he's going to catch probably three, three of the five. How do you get Kirk's bat in there? You know, Belt, every, everything you hear, a lot, a lot of people seem to be looking, putting a lot of stock in Brandon Belt. In, in, in him recovering and being a, a crucial part of this lineup, and you know, I kind of, I kind of wonder about that. You know, the, I don't know. I think the guy's making nine million dollars this year. He's old. He's been hurt. It's not like he's got a multiple forty-five home run seasons under his belt. I don't know what to expect. Horrible pun there. I know. I don't know what to expect from Brandon Bell. Uh, I really don't. But it is a valid point. How do you get his bat in the lineup? How do you keep Kirk's bat in the lineup? How do you get Kevin Vicio in the lineup? I mean, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of moving pieces there, and that's you know that's something we won't know I don't think until probably the end of April and 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 get a sense of how John Schneider uh, how he wants to use these guys. That's an interesting consideration on Brandon Belt because even in like a perfect scenario where he can bat fourth or fifth against uh, right-handed pitchers, it feels like it's a bit of a stretch to say that the lefty bats that they are incorporating into this lineup are good enough to achieve the balance that they were striving for when they went out and got them this offseason. Where are you on like the strength of the left-handed bats that come in and if it will have the desired benefit to the lineup this season? And the caveat here is I don't know how the Rogers Center is going to play. Uh, we need to see that a little bit. Look, uh, I, I like Dalton Varsho. Uh, hopefully he's not Matt Chapman 2.0, and what I mean by that, hopefully he's not. Hopefully he's, he's going to make a little – he's going to hit for a little higher average than Matt Chapman. But, you know, I'll take the home runs and the, the gold glove caliber defense out of him. I, I think it's – you know, one of the problems, when people talk about balance, sometimes I think we tend to focus too much on left and right. You know, a balanced lineup is a lineup that can handle different types of pitching. When the Atlanta Braves won the World Series a couple of years ago, their lineup was balanced, not just in terms of left, left-handed left hitters and right-handed hitters, 
it was balanced in terms of left-handed hitters who could handle the off-speed pitch, right-handed hitters who could handle the off-speed pitch, right-handed hitters who could handle fastballs inside and outside. Eno Saris of, uh, of, uh, of The Athletic did a terrific article breaking down the Braves lineup and how they were just so hard to game plan because each batter, regardless of whether they were left-handed or right-handed, had different strengths. And I think that's the key when you're putting a lineup together. Now, people will tell you that if you run out of a parade of hitters from one side all the time, it does make it easier for the pitcher. You know, you don't change the pitcher's point of view, right? If you run out eight right-handed hitters and you're a right-handed pitcher on the mound, when you look at home plate, you're seeing the same thing. And it's easy to get into a bit of a groove if you do that. See somebody on the other side of the plate, and at least you're visually you have to make an adjustment. And so I think that'll that alone will make a big difference, but I haven't done a deep enough dive into knowing what when the Jays put their opening day lineup together, what each hitter's strengths is in terms of plate coverage and handling a certain pitch versus another pitch. But my guess is that at some point when you do that, you'll probably find that in addition to left-handed and right-handed, you've got guys who, who profile differently as hitters in terms of, of, of pitches they like and pitches they don't like. And that, that's what really makes a good lineup, I think. Left-handed and right-handed makes a manager think a little differently in extra innings. As I said, it can kind of change what the pitcher sees on the mound and maybe have an impact that way. But at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's what you do and the pitches you can handle and the pitches you can't handle and how you stack guys in the lineup to, to cover that off that really makes a difference. Yeah, it's probably a stretch to say that uh, Brandon Belt holds the key to this lineup. But if he does uh, give you value on a $9 million contract, it'll mean a lot for the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, That was Jeff Blair. Jeff Blair, thanks for coming on with us. And uh, we might see in a bit if we mosey on over to the other side. But uh, we appreciate and look forward to breaking down the season with you moving forward. No problem, guys. I look forward to it. Take care. That's Jeff Blair, co-host of Blair & Barker, and our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Excuse me. There is an update on the home run jacket. Do tell. After the break on the Fan Morning Show. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Wake up! Now it's time for Wake and Rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. All right, it's time for a wake and rake slash other things that we missed news dump, including <laughs> okay. the like Blue that. Jays home run jacket update. So beginning of spring training, there was rumblings that maybe they'd move past this. Maybe they'd be a bit more of a serious team and have no fun in the Mario. Get a home run, every shakes hands professionally, looks each other in the eye. Doesn't even smile. No smiles allowed. Well, seems like they have decided to move on from the home run jacket. They're all going to sign the jacket, get it authenticated, and auction it for charity, which is basically what I proposed when we talked about this. I said, get this thing signed up, send it to charity. Uh, send those exact or words. send it to you. No. But Kevin Gosman. You put in a bid? I mean, you, played, you can go buddy. play some more roulette. You might be in... In line for it. The way that Gosman teed this up, which was, quote, some Blue Jays fan can have it in his man cave, means it's going to go for a pretty penny, okay? Some Blue Jays fan is going to spend a lot of money for uh, this Yeah, expected to be pretty, jacket. the amount of 
legendary Jays yes. that have done that. Maybe it doesn't extend too, too far down the road, but, you know, this but iteration. It's a great way to honor and to move on from Home Run Jacket. We'll see what they decide to do this time around. Maybe just strict handshakes. Any ideas? Strict handshake. I, they're going to do something. I, I, I worry that it would be, like, I don't know, the, John Schneider's whole thing is like, we want to celebrate the little things as well. Mm -hmm. Like, you're not going to celebrate everything, but you're probably going to do something for home runs. Does it matter how, like, big the item of clothing is? I have no idea. I I feel like it's, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. Big novelty hat. I don't think anyone's going to be rolling down in a shopping cart like they do in Boston. No, you can't. I don't think that's going to be happening. A lot of things have been done already, so you have to be creative enough. That's what I mean. Like, it's find your own thing. The Jays had their thing. The home run jacket was their own thing. And it was smart. It was good. We're moving on from it, though. We'll see. The intrigue for the regular season has just increased substantially. Might just be handshakes. You're right. Um, Okay, so let's go through a couple things here. Stanley Cup futures have obviously shifted since the trade deadline ended. Now on a Monday morning, we have some new odds to look through. Um, not crazy though. There was like, it's some not shifts. Considerably different. Nothing substantial. To I think be the most substantial thing is that Boston has only strengthened its hold atop the odds board. Yeah, I don't know what you're seeing it. I got a plus three twenty five to win the Stanley Cup in front of me. I'll, I said it earlier in the show. I grabbed some plus two fifty to mm-hmm. win the Eastern Conference, and it's only what I don't know exactly what that percentages to go from 250 to 325. I mean, I guess if they go to Stanley Cup final, they're going to be favored over anyone in the West, but 250 for the Bruins to win the Eastern Conference uh, felt like something I I had to do, at least as like a little bit of a happiness hedge if the Mm -hmm. Maple Leafs get through. I did see the Rangers move a little bit. Um, I had them at 1,400, now seeing them at 1,200. Mm -hmm. So that's a bit of a shift. Um, I also saw the Washington Capitals fall off substantially from 5,000 to 8,000. <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Don't think that's happening. Some places even as bad as 12,000. That's just a tough turn of events for them. Um, what, what are you seeing the lightning at right now? I'm I think there was a little bit of a drop there. 1,400. I'm seeing 1,800 on the Tampa Bay Interesting. Lightning. Interesting. Is that reacting to the weekend? Is that reacting hmm, to true. them only getting Tanner's, you know? Um, Hurricanes still favored over the Maple Leafs surprises me. Because they did really not too much. Too easier, much. easier path. I mean, it's still tough, but at least they have the wild card team to go through first. So I see if Bru- they win the division. I see Bruins, Avs, Hurricanes, Leafs, Devils, Rangers, Tide, Oilers, Lightning, Tide. In my right. What about down. Vegas? Vegas is the six shortest odds for me. See, you, so we, we definitely should have opened the same book. But well, it's, that, it's good. I, like it's good advice that you can shop around. It definitely underscores the fact that you should be shopping around. If you like a team for whatever reason, there's I, odds that are completely different. Nothing is really screaming at me to mm-hmm. be honest. Like, yeah, Tampa at that price seems I mean, interesting. At plus twelve hundred. Rangers at plus 1,200, yeah. I mean, uh, I think both you and I are in on the Rangers pre-season. Was it pre-season we were both in? So we're both going to be cheering for the Rangers a little bit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But if I'm looking to add position at this point, it's like I think you got to take a shot out west. I still have the Oilers circled if you really, really wanted to get aggressive. Yep. They can't seem to put Someone it all together. Someone has to come to the Stanley Cup Finals. Someone's got to go. And Colorado decided, hey, maybe we're not all that interested during this trade deadline because they didn't do much. But the Oilers had that next gear in the playoffs. They did. They looked like a different team. And now they've got a guy like Matias Eichel and make a difference back there. But even the regular season, they can't string together wins. So it's like you kind of have to show – you got to show us if we're really going to buy in. But, yeah, it's uh, nothing really jumps out to me right now. 
Just good to monitor. Um, next updated stats that I have are the NHL draft lottery odds. This is as of yesterday. There's some games that trickled through, so they might have changed a little bit. But Columbus Blue Jackets have a 25.5% chance at Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. All right. Followed by the Chicago Blackhawks, 13.5%. San Jose Sharks, 11.5%. Ducks, 9.5%. Coyotes, 8.5%. Canucks, 7.5%. Canadians, Flyers, etc. So you decide to tank? Here we go. It's time. Well, it's tight at the at the bottom here. Columbus just has a one-point lead on Chicago. Chicago's lineup, though, like it is hard to imagine a team would look worse. Tyler Johnson being the highest-earning forward on a hockey team in 2023 is pretty nutso. <laughs> uh, but again, it, it's like it's going to be tough for all these teams to get victories at this point. So Columbus being in that position right now, I think they've played one extra game. So we had about 20, 20 games for these teams to decide who's going to be the worst and who's going to put themselves in position for Connor Bedard. Um, what do you think is a bigger tank for Victor Wembanyama right now or tank for Connor Bedard? It like feels who, like Bedard's this, more deliberate. We've got two generational talents for next year's draft. We do. It's pretty do. crazy. Uh, I, which the, team can tank best in which league? It's just more like natural, like Houston's bad, 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 bad. Houston Rockets, of mm-hmm. course, but they, they didn't sell off assets to get bad. They didn't have to, like, get rid of franchise legends in order to be bad. They were just bad coming in. They knew. The Connor Bedard thing, it seems like, I mean, I guess Columbus could have maybe torn apart their team a little bit more if they were really, really going for it. But maybe that's just the situation where it's, it, there's nothing guaranteed. So as you can be really bad, but it's just best to put yourself in that position where you don't have to fake being bad like some teams mm. have had to do. Uh, one more thing for you. I've just got stats lined up. Sports set stats. If you had $100 bet on the current bottom six NHL teams to beat the Maple Leafs in every matchup this season, you would have won $1,235. That's how the Maple Leafs stack up against bottom six NHL teams. So Columbus, Chicago, San Jose, Anaheim, Arizona, Vancouver. Vancouver and Arizona have definitely got wins. Didn't Anaheim early on when it was real? Didn't Mitch Wasn't Marner that have that? was that West Coast trip that was from hell? Yeah, Mitch Marner was sat for one total shift yeah, after giving the puck everything. away against Anaheim. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> those are the teams that have tripped them up. Montreal, too. They're seventh worst. They've tripped them up as well. Pretty brutal. Um, just things to consider. Maple Leafs and bad teams. Money line on the other side. No Maple Leafs tonight in action. It is the Raptors facing the Nuggets on the West Coast. But the most important thing about today being March 6th is it is a very special birthday. One of our favorite listeners and our favorite father-daughter duo. Happy birthday (laughs) to Ron and Markham. We love you. We're happy to have you in the text line every morning. Juliana and many others have messaged me to make sure that I knew it was your birthday this morning. Many others. Multiple others know that it's Ron's birthday. A lot of Ron fans out there. <laughs> Ron is more popular the than The Ron us. father. <laughs> so happy birthday, Ron. Thanks for listening every day and sending your picks in. We appreciate it. We love the support and hope you have a beautiful, happy Monday, March 6th. And our gift to you is blindly tailing Ron's pick. Whatever you're picking today, Ron, we're going in on it. All because right. it's your birthday and you deserve it. So happy birthday, Ron. Should we start with our anchor picks? Let's do it. All right. Good morning, team. Parlay Poppy here. I'd like to start off by saying Matt Murray is absolute 
hot dog water, and I'd rather a used car, car salesman wow. to strap. It wasn't that bad, Parlay Poppy. <laughs> Today's spicy meatball is Nikola Jokic, triple-double against the Raptors. Toronto, one of the worst rebounding teams in the league, so Jokic will get his 10 rebounds for sure. As for points, 10 should be easy for the Joker because Toronto's style of play and length would leave something to be desired. I see Jokic having to dish the ball out more, giving him 10 assists as well, so he can do everything. And Nikola Jokic, guess what? He can do everything, so Parley Poppy, you're probably on to something there. Uh, that reminded me of our Giannis question, which I'll hopefully get to some of the answers about, is it fair we'll to just put the ball up by yourself to get a rebound at the end of the game? Maybe Jokic says that tonight. Okay, um, Ian, the snowball driver, uh, Damian Lillard over 34.5 points is minus 135. Detroit is 29th in the league defensively against uh, point guards, and he has hit 9 out of the the past 14 Gotta games. Gotta lay the juice for 35 points. That's uh, that's tough. That's, t- that's how you know you're playing Detroit. <laughs> yeah. Eric from Burlington, good morning. I think the Sens puck line is easy pick tonight versus Chicago. Speaking of bad, Connor <laughs> Bedard. Ottawa's won five in a row and all those wins have been two- by two or more. Ottawa's hot right now. I'm. Uh, that was the one I kind of mm-hmm. had circled for at least uh, on the NHL slate tonight. Senators puck line from Eric in Burlington. All right, this is for the birthday boy himself, Ron and Juliana. Good morning. For today's anchor, I'm going to take Pascal Siakam over 22.5 points, and Jules will take Leon Dreisaitl anytime goal. Good morning, friends. Keeping it simple for today, this is Tim, Tom from the Schwa. The Flames are playing like trash. Stars money line. Stars uh, destroyed. I think I jinxed Colorado, by the way. The Stars crushed them over the weekend. It's like seven, wasn't it like oh seven one? God. Like they really, really. It was uh, seven three. Yep. Seven three wasn't it's the gross. End? Yeah, it was um, not good. Okay, so Neil just apologizing for um, losing. <laughs> a, to apologize, a bet. Neil. You don't need to apologize, Neil. And he also says there's no picks from the tennis world. So he's just coming in and say hi. Okay. Thanks, Neil. Love it. Um, I'll get this last one here. Good morning. Happy birthday to Ron. Celtics versus Cavs over 21 and a half and Sixers versus Pacers minus six and a half. Philly, that's Buff Daddy. And then Parley Poppy just texted in saying. Want to also wish Ron a happy birthday, lots of health and wealth. Wow, that's great. A lot of Ron support. Uh, we going with Ron's pick? Well, your your pick kind of no, deletes I, Ron's I pick. I know. I don't think they, I don't think they clash at all. To be honest. Okay, so you just tell everybody your pick first. I'm going with Denver Nuggets minus six against the Raptors. Denver at home. Denver's the number one team in the Western Conference. I assume their their home record is brilliant. It's a tough game for the Raptors. I think. Uh, you know, two games of Washington now going for going to Denver. That's a bit of a sketchy uh, road trip, altitude, all that. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised it's only six. I, I think Denver's in a good spot to, unless I'm missing something, something with an absence. I expect Nikola Jokic to feast on whomever he's dealing with on the Toronto Raptors side. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great matchup for the Denver Nuggets. But I also don't think it's a terrible matchup for Pascal Siakam. I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair. Okay. Pascal hits his over 22.5 via Ron, and Let's the, do Den- it. the Denver Ron's Nuggets birthday. get the victory in the end. Ron. There's no second question. Would, you, would you not be surprised if the Raptors get a victory in Denver tonight? Yeah, I would be very surprised. And, I, yeah, maybe they cover and, and still lose, but uh, it feels like okay. more often than not, Denver's covering six against the Raptors again, unless I'm missing something. Okay, so let's do Pascal Siakam over 22.5 for Ron and Markham. Happy birthday. And Justin will do Denver Nuggets minus six on the spread. And I'm going to go to that NHL game that a couple other text line folks were circling. That is the Blackhawks and the Senators. I like the Sens a lot on the puck line, but I'm just going to pick the over. Over six and a half. It's plus money. I think it could be a sloppy one. Um, Senators can put the puck in the net, and they have a little bit of a boost here positively with 
Jacob Chikrin edition, and they're on the hunt for the playoffs. So over six and a half, I think, for tonight's game, Sens and Blackhawks. So Chicago's a little a little dangerous to me, I think, because there's a ton of players who may, this might be their only shot, like a lot of no-names, mm-hmm. right? A lot of guys like who prove might prove yourself. Prove yourself situations. I think there's going to be a lot, despite the motivations of the hockey operations team, the motivations <laughs> of the players, I think, will still be genuine, and they're going to be trying to make a name for themselves in this position that they have right now. So I'm kind of like, I want to see what happens to Chicago before we start like fading them, fading them, yeah, fading them. So over. But if it helps them, yeah, exactly. I think Ottawa's going to have a good night. I think Ottawa's going to score some goals. They're feeling it right now. And if Chicago can help to the total by scoring twice in the game and losing 5-2, then you're laughing. Um, quick text in here. Jamal Murray might feast on Canada's team today. Murray over. I can see that between 40 and 50 points. That's Jag and Scarborough. I just wanted to read it out in case it happens tomorrow. Then we'll know. Jag knows. There you go. Hit the milestones. 40 points. <laughs> okay. Plus 10 um, or a plus 1,000 or something like that. So our full wake and rake is over 6.5 in the Sens, Blackhawks, Nuggets on the spread, which is minus 6, and Pascal over 22.5 points from the birthday boy, Ron and Markham, altogether plus 6.50 today on Ron's birthday. That's a nice one. I like it. Okay. Um, so we teed it up before the break with Jeff Blair, but last night Giannis was one assist away from a triple-double, and there was only a few seconds left in the game, and he runs the ball down the court. Instead of putting the ball in the basket, he gives himself an offensive rebound to secure the triple-double. Now, we played the clip, and we asked the text line, what do you guys think of this? Is it fair? Is it bad? Bad spirit of the game? Whatever. I'm surprised that everybody thinks... I'm shocked that people are defending Giannis. cool, and it is fine, and that we need to grow up and accept it. Here's some text. When someone passes the puck, when they can shoot for their teammate to get a hat trick in the empty net, is that not the same? It's far from the same. It's selfless. This is selfish. Sorry, My- I jumped all over you on that one. Like that, that, would have, that would have offended me. Mike from Thorold says, what about on the two-on-one breakaway in hockey where Buddy passes it to his friend for a hat trick? This is Giannis creating his own <laughs> rebound for himself. Mm-hmm. The other one is a teammate helping you score a hat trick or helping you pad your stats, making you feel good in a real it's game. The it's, a, it's also a real game <laughs> scenario. I understand that there's no one in the net. There's no one tending the goal, but you're trying to win the game. This ices the game. This wins you the game. Giannis did something here outside of the spirit of the game. When you, when people stop playing and you do anything to benefit yourself, whether it's score or grab a rebound or do anything when the opposition stops playing, that's like, that's what, unwritten rules, number one? Mm-hmm. And this is a rebound, too. It's not like you scored scored two points to put you put yourself over. I'm surprised no one said anything. Okay, cool. okay. Here's some more. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Rebounds are rebounds. Where's the beef? The NBA is all about me, me, me. Where have you been? Definitely a me, me, me moment. Here's another one. Guys, honestly, I'm fine with it. If it was for three or four, then he had to do it. Then, yeah, that's a little bit too much. But it's just one. I don't think it's going to make or break his game. And certainly it's not going to make or break his character. I can think of a lot of worse plays across all sports that have been done to embellish or stack their stats. Can you? What, what like, in, ter- in terms of, like, stuffing your own stats, what's more blatant than that? What's more outside of, like, the real game scenario than that? I truly can't think of one off the top of my head. I can't either. Um, maybe in like football when you know you're, there's a guy on your team that's going to hit a huge bonus if he gets a certain amount of receptions or Why rushing yards. It's yeah, also no, within really the nice. game. It's within the game. 
Um, here's another one. There should be rules against players intentionally padding their stats. I don't know how they would go about doing that, but this person's on, on the same page. I don't like it. I know one player, and we're going to see him tonight, who doesn't need to pad their stats for triple doubles. That's the guy who's going to win the MVP, not Giannis. Jokic. If Giannis doesn't do that to get a triple double and loses the MVP by one vote and it costs him a bonus or a portion of his contract, then what? Everyone's going to know this. Everyone's going to remember this, though. And you're never catching Giannis, or you're never catching Jokic in triple doubles anyway. No question, horrible, absolutely horrible sportsmanship. Getting your own rebound on purpose, George from Wayne Fleet. Thank you. Wayne Fleet knows. <laughs> you know, Wayne Fleet is a Hamlet. Is it? Where's Wayne Fleet? Um, Wayne Fleet is, I think it's, oh, I was wrong. It's out by uh, Port Colburn. It's on the way to Buffalo. I almost drove through Wayne Fleet, buddy. There you go. They know. Here we go. Scott and Stoville hitting for the cycle, but hitting two doubles and turning one into a single. That that's one, a that's, good one, Scott. That is a good one. That's, that's good, Scott. That's kind of greasy, but it's, it's, oh. Oh, so you accept that one instead. No, but like. I would not expect uh, accept it if, let's say, you were down a run or down a couple runs, and you needed to put yourself in scoring position. But you're like, oh, I'd rather take the, uh, rather take the single to get the cycle. Anyway, we'll see if they do that tonight. Big triple double watch. Jokic doesn't need to. Yeah, that's the difference between the two. All right, folks. Well, Raptors Nuggets today. It'll be uh, back in action on Sportsnet 590, the fan, at 9 p.m. Tip off a late one for you. Maple Leafs on the road still. Headed home, though, New Jersey Devils tomorrow night. And Good then game tomorrow night. It'll be a big one. Then they got a little home stretch here as well. No Blue Jays today. So you all eyes on the Raptors at 9 p.m. Get your nap in, Justin. I don't know. I might be doing the, do I do the, the record and watch in the morning tomorrow? I can't believe A lot of options that. here. A lot of options. can't believe you do that. Although the game could be over at half. Oh, quickly, did you see? <laughs> yeah, sure. Did you quickly see that um, they gave uh, Mark Giordano not a gold, uh, not a golden shin pad, but a shield for mm-hmm. getting that all-time shot block record? No, I was thinking like he took eight hundred thousand dollars. Is that like pure gold? You could melt it down, <laughs> yeah, and it's when, worth like five million. They're like, hey, buddy, when when we're done, just go sell this at a pawn shop. Go to Pawn Stars. Exactly. And you we can, got you, buddy. You can get your extra two mil. <laughs> um, all right. Thanks for listening this morning. Happy Monday. Happy birthday to Ron in Markham. And we'll be back tomorrow morning to break down Raptors and Nuggets 9 p.m. tonight.